the world has become very am- ambitious about bringing change. We want to solve problems at scale and we want to solve them quickly. So in, in 15 years, we want to eliminate poverty. But when you start looking at how to solve it, the quality of solutions is often not up to this challenge. They're either too small or they're meant for a particular context. You know, they're point solutions. And in a complex system where there are many interlocking actors, if you apply a point solution, you sort of try to, you fix one thing, but then the rest of the system drags it down to the same equilibrium of before. So that's the thing. See, I mean, nobody's disputing the goals and the what. It's the how. How do you do this? How do you get from here to there? Hello and welcome to Sea Change, a three-part series brought to you by the creators of In the Field. We're your hosts. I'm Samyukta Varma. And I'm Radhika Vishwanathan. We're researchers who also make shows about development, progress, and social change. Sea Change is a co-production of Societal Platform and Vaka. In this first episode, you're going to meet a group of people who like to work on really big problems. They think about things like figuring out how to get 200 million children to learn better, or how to bring access to finance and credit to millions, or how to ensure basic healthcare for all communities. They define societal problems at the population scale, and they're trying to figure out what we need to do to get at them faster and in a more inclusive way. Any examples from where you drew from the vocabulary first? We, we actually want to solve real-world problems, right? So then we take up some real-world problem and set some audacious targets, audacious goals. And once you set those audacious goals, then you're forced to rethink how you do it. Audacious goals are exactly what they sound like. Ending poverty, providing clean water to all, or searching for the cure to a virus. Even more audacious than the goals themselves is that we believe that we can work together to achieve them in a matter of a few years. But we tend to chase these grand goals by looking for solutions, by searching for a silver bullet. And while many things have been achieved by the sheer genius of a single solution, very few have been discovered overnight. In the past 40 years, the world has managed to improve the quality of life for millions of people. A lot of these changes are due to scientific advancements, progressive social policies, enduring people's movements, and economic growth. And catalyzing many of these developments in the past have been investments in infrastructure, physical infrastructure, that enabled us to travel, to connect, to communicate, to exchange, and to develop, like roads, railways, and bridges. This basic physical infrastructure unleashed decades of economic development. Today we talk about digital highways, modern manifestations of transformative infrastructure. At times they even work as proxies for physical infrastructure, connecting remote points across the globe, becoming the means to access and manage services, improving the way we conduct business in a globalized world, not to mention changing the way in which we access culture, values, ideas, and shape our social interactions. The era we live in now, sparked off by the smartphone revolution less than 10 years ago, is characterized by rapid change and growth like never before. Nanda Nilekani, the chairman and co-founder 
of the Egg Step Foundation, whom you heard, has spent the better part of his life working on transformative information systems and now spends much of his time on innovative models that use technology for social change. Here he explains. We think that technology today has become ubiquitous. Uh, costs have dropped dramatically. You know, today anybody with a credit card can buy unlimited computing power on a cloud. You know, everybody has a phone. Uh, you know, things like storage have become dramatically cheaper. New interfaces have come, which are more people-oriented, like voice recognition, so you can give commands through voice. Or So what has happened is the new technology have actually made it easier to disseminate uh, new things to you know, billions of people. The crux of the matter we're confronting today is that while so many of our conversations reference our outpaced achievements, they are also juxtaposed against our entrenched and persistent social problems. For example, we constantly hear talk about mobile phones or satellite TVs in the deepest parts of the world when those same regions still grapple with basic needs. But what if there is an approach that could bring us closest to the promise of success, of achieving the audacious goal, of closing this gap so that people's lives and livelihoods better match their aspirations? And what if this approach can bring us success that is defined by the ability to affect a large number of people, populations, And what if it can be underpinned by technology, but is also a way of thinking, one that focuses on how we do things rather than the solution itself? Lalitesh Katragada, the pioneer of online mapping and the chief product officer of IndieHood, believes the time to act is now, not just for India, but for the world. We are just hitting the beginning of the S-curve where the mainstream of India uh, and probably the rest of the world is starting starting to get uh, continuous always on access to the internet, and that has not happened so far. So, um, you know, less than 200 million people really have internet access in India today. Um, there are 400, you know, quote unquote active connections or 450 million active connections, but it's really 200 people who are actively using the internet, and that number is likely to jump to you know 600, 700 million because of various efforts India is doing in the next five to seven years. And when that happens, um, the opportunity to actually empower people with uh, applications and platforms that they can take charge of really becomes alive. Social sector is very, very hard. It's by far the hardest sector to work in. And I'm not saying that just because I'm in that sector, but because I've met a lot of people who have recently come to the sector after having been extraordinarily successful in other sectors. And they said those sectors seemed far easier than trying to create any meaningful and lasting social change, right? That's Rohini Nalekani. She and her husband, Nandan, are amongst India's most committed philanthropists. And they are very interested in the question of how the world is presently organized to solve societal problems. Things that are societal are about how groups within society are connected. It's about how power and influence, language and communication and other forces shape the way in which groups interact and work together. Let's take a simple example like education. Schools, communities of parents and government policies work together to help children learn. And in a perfect world, These societal elements would all work together in sync to help all children get the right skills and set them on a course to be able to achieve aspirations and build the lives they want. This isn't how things work in practice. There are so many groups of people working on different parts of the puzzle. There's a group of people who are 
focused on saying, let me just do the academic research in terms of what pedagogy works, what textbooks work, but it's uh, it's at a very high level. It's not locally translatable. Then there's a bunch of people who are looking at schools on the ground and they're saying like, actually, the challenge is not that. The challenge is, you know, the harvest season comes and nobody shows up to work or there isn't a good way when when girls become adolescent to to keep them in the schools or there's cultural issues that are coming up or the teacher just gets pulled into all of these other government services. And so those are the issues we need to solve. This is Ankur Vora. He heads the strategy, innovation and impact team at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And then there are the funders who come in and they put a lot of money in and they want to see results. And so they focus a lot more on data and accountability. And then there's the government. Um, Obviously, they care about the right things, but they're also driven by election cycles. And so they come in and they say that the thing that's going to make a lot more uh, noise is building a new school rather than uh, improving the efficiency of the existing schools and so on and so forth. So you have people coming at very different vantage points and very different incentive structures and to get them to, uh, and they all care about the same thing at some deep level, but to get them to, to collaborate together is, is, is hard. To achieve the big goals, to get all of these elements to collaborate, create the kinds of solutions we want and need, in the ambitious timeframes that we set for ourselves, we need to think systemically. Systemic change brings dispersed ways of working together and makes it easier for people to work on commonly defined goals. We chatted with Robert Palacios, a senior economist and global lead for pensions and social insurance at the World Bank. Shouldn't people and groups working on human development, on strongly interlinked issues like healthcare, education, or even social protection programs, shouldn't they work together? You know, sometimes the health people or don't know what the social protection people are doing in the same country and vice versa, or on the government side where um, sometimes there's a tendency to just focus only on your uh, piece of the of the of the puzzle, and there may not be somebody at a higher level that's seeing how this all fits together and making sure that you're not you know duplicating things. And honestly, there are poor incentives in in organizations to collaborate across these silos or, and to not create the silos to begin with. Most programs designed to run at large population scales, such as social assistance, have historical legacies. They were created decades ago in an analog world. Part of it is because we're only now getting to the point where some of the technology is um, ubiquitous enough and cheap enough that we could apply it uh, you know, to all of these programs. More and more people are realizing that without genuine collaboration, not just naam ke vaste or in name only collaboration, they're not going to be able to crack some of the more you know, persistent problems of poverty, health, and other other things, or even environment. Getting systems that were set up in different institutions, geographies, or departments to become interoperable, to be able to talk to each other and share data, make use of it to enable people to solve problems intuitively, is a huge challenge and signals a huge need. It, it turns out that they all sort of need the same type of basic infrastructure to function efficiently. And this basic infrastructure needs to be built. Think of it as building digital infrastructure for the future. And think of it as a public good. 
to solve societal problems. So we were saying uh, society at large uh, understands the need for physical infrastructure as part of a uh, development agenda. Very well understood paradigm, uh, physical infrastructure, but not so well understood paradigm is the necessity for similar approach in building digital infrastructure. Um, but very few countries are, are in a position to implement some of these uh, things. But they, the point is that that's what we should be working on. Um, and uh, from the World Bank side and, and with the governments, creating that infrastructure that allows you to do all of these different um, social policy options is, is, is really what we should be doing. And so as we develop and progress, we want to find a way to build systems that are more secure, that provide choices to ensure that we are building a foundation to solve problems for the future and not just think of these as first response solutions. The people you'll hear on Sea Change are a collaborative, and this is what they're working on, societal platforms. The technology backbone that we talk about in societal platforms or societal platform thinking, the highways that need to be built should allow us to sort of create a map of destinations and then you choose what vehicle you want to be in or how many passengers you want to carry with you. For the builders of these foundational layers, like Pramod Varma, a technology architect and CTO at Step Foundation, this is an integral part of what the economy of the future is going to rely on. I was telling you that the analogy like Tetris game. People have played mm -hmm. Tetris. Uh, at the bottom, Tetris keeps collapsing the bottom. So it's very important that we are constantly asking every five years, ten years, country ask, what are the additional other foundations that we must lay so that the next decade even looks even more uh, energized in terms of inclusion, products, choice, availability of opportunities and so on, right? What is that we can do so that you unblock that? And that minimal uh, denominator, minimal denominator is very, very important and this is not static. Every five, ten years, countries have to ask, what, are, what else do we need to lay? Uh, you know, that's you keep asking question. Don't forget that technology is playing a big role in feeding our impatience to solve these things quickly and for everyone. Our hunger for change also comes from deep within societies. Today, billions of people see change rapidly, transformation within one generation in their own families. And people want to have more control and more choice in the kinds of solutions that are available. What we're hearing is that there's a real need to find better ways to bring more people into the digital fold, to create ways to bring even more access to information, to services, to finance, and to ideas so that actual development on the ground matches up. But this can't be done by designing everything from the top. This is Lalitesh again. But if you take a billion people in India uh, and subtract the top 300 million people, um, there are there is no information that really matters to them that is online. It's not even on paper, let alone digital, so, which means that, you know, mathematically, the only way you can bring that information online is through crowdsourcing, right? Uh, which is people have to do it themselves and communities have to do it themselves. They have to own this information and so on. Sanjay Purohit is the evangelist, the chief curator at Societal Platform, where he examines how organizations use systemic approaches to affect the holy grail of social change. 
speed, scale, and sustainability. For instance, what could we learn from looking at an organization that worked in healthcare for over 30 years and was able to sustain itself? Or one that successfully delivered a drug or treatment at population scale? And then drawing from that, what kind of foundational elements allowed this success or impact? And finally, what kind of technology could replicate or amplify the model? Sanjay uses these lessons to shape the contours of the idea of societal platform thinking. How do you optimize resources across a network? How do you optimize relationships across a network? How do you eliminate duplication of effort, right? So these are design questions. This is not yet about the platform and the architecture. When you say the word societal platform, the mind kind of jumps to saying, oh, where is the platform? Where is the technology? That's not the point. <clears throat> because the technology is not the solution. It is a catalyst. Part of the challenge of addressing societal problems at scale is finding ways to do it while leaving room for imaginative, supple solutions to arise. These are the ones that fix problems locally or even at the community level and respond to particularities of geography or community. And this needs a platform that is unified in terms of its goals, but not uniform. So that diverse ideas can play out, different ideologies can coexist, and multiple beliefs and ways of doing can interact and co-create. As a digital civil society, we need to start influencing the rules of the digital world itself. And so I think you're going to see a lot of new things happening from the social sector for the technology sector in the next few years. The people working on societal platform thinking believe strongly that there are a class of challenges that need a platform approach to bring societal change in the digital age. And so it seems like this question of how do you address societal problems is sort of an eternal game, right? We have to keep playing at it, keep on trying things, keep on doing things, keep on learning new things and that it also involves all sectors of society. It involves civil society, it involves the state, it involves the markets, it involves leaders across all these. And it seemed to us is how could we find a way to um, describe the reduction of friction between all the players that need to collaborate? I think the, the message we have is that the how matters, that uh, Society has large, complex, diverse, unmet needs uh, which, have, which have to be solved at population scale. That is solved in a sustainable way. They have to be done with alacrity because time is of the essence. And the world is grappling with different ways to, to do this. And this is what it's about. It's another way of seeing. Technology becomes a tool to amplify and power the ideas and networks that already exist, to give them momentum and to forge new ways to get them to grow. But it has a more foundational and catalytic purpose. For instance, infrastructure of this kind would help identify the people who need targeted assistance or create reliable pathways to access skills or get the right kinds of experts to work on issues and inspire people to create things together. But it also needs another way of thinking. Technology is also built from observing how people have overcome frictions in real-life cases. In our next episode, we speak to groups applying these systemic ideas to the projects they're working on. We meet people changing the nature of learning, others working on expanding healthcare, 
and others working to bring governance closer to the people. We learn more about how societal platform thinking can shape how we do things tomorrow. Thanks to Nanda Nilekani, Rohini Nilekani, Robert Palacios, Ankur Vora, Lalitesh Katragada, Sanjay Purohit and Pramod Varma. Sea Change is produced by Societal Platform and Vaak. Music, sound and mixing by Santosh Nataraja at Third Eye Studio. Stay tuned for our next episode. Do subscribe for updates on our website or wherever you're listening to the show. Follow us on Twitter at In the Field India or Societal Platform. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at In the Field India.